Hello, everyone. Welcome to Commentaries from the Edge. This is Karen Goldberg, and here's what's coming up. I'm particularly delighted and honored to welcome Stephen Sachs to the program today. And in my mind, Stephen Sachs is what I would call a premier Los Angeles, California theater person. He is the co-founder of an important fountain theater here in Los Angeles, which has been with us for over three decades. And besides being a co-founder of really an enduring and important theater here in Los Angeles, he is a playwright, a director, and an actor. He's received every theater award involving outstanding director. And in the Los Angeles City Council, they considered him a visionary for his particular contributions to the cultural life of Los Angeles. In addition to all that, he is the author of 17 produced plays. So a busy person, and particularly for that reason, I thank you, Stephen, for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely, Karen. And uh, can I just uh, take you around with me wherever I go, and then you can just kind of like like introduce me to people and and and, and <laughs> spout about all, I, the, all the things I'd be I've done. Honored. I'd be honored. <laughs> I've, you know, I have uh, followed your career for many many years, so I feel that I have a certain expertise to talk about it. Yeah, uh, we, even we, though that what I just said is really, you know, just the the edge of the iceberg. Mm. I think there's so much more. But um, today we want to talk about the Fountain Theater and we want to talk about theater in general in Los Angeles. You know, I really think of the Fountain Theater as a phenomenon in the sense that uh, you've been so many years in the same location that in itself in, in a city like Los Angeles that is always changing how many years has it been that you've been in the same location? It's been 33 years. Yeah. And, and we've been in the same building, uh, this charming little two-story Spanish-style building at the corner of Fountain and Normandy in East Hollywood. And, yeah. uh, uh, the, and the, the blessing is that we own our building outright. So oh, that, that's... That is that I thought the Fountain Theater is extraordinary, but that's that's phenomenal. That yeah, yeah. In Los Angeles. Yeah, it's we we were fortunate to be in the position to be able to buy it back in 1990. Of course, we could never afford to buy it today with uh, prices uh, such as they are. But back, no, yeah, no. Back, back in 1990, we bought the building, so we own it outright, and uh, that is probably one of the smartest things we've ever done. Well, it turned out to be, yeah, absolutely brilliant and so fortuitous, you know, because of just what you said. And probably all the major cities, you know, in the world right now are so incredibly expensive in the year 2023 that that's, that's really a, a great advantage for the Fountain Theater. And perhaps maybe that's been a, a, an important part of your enduring abilities to survive through what it's meant these over these three decades, theater in Los Angeles. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is one of the, the factors. Uh, many uh, theaters, large and small, particularly intimate theaters, uh, and I'll just speak about Los Angeles, uh, have lost their building, their, their spaces, because they, they rent 
to uh, to a landlord and landlords raise the rents and uh, or developers come in and uh, a theater company does not have uh, stewardship of its own destiny. Exactly. Uh, and exactly. so where we are blessed to be where we are and to have our little home. Well, absolutely. And we're very fortunate in Los Angeles because we've been able to have the Fountain Theater. So tell us a little bit about how you came to start the Fountain. I mean, you were, you were an actor, you were director, um, you were a playwright, you are all those three things. How did you come up with this idea of wanting to start the Fountain Theater or a theater? Well, very briefly, I, I was an actor a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And, <laughs> uh, and then I began to direct plays and run theater companies. And I was working at the Cannon Theater in Beverly Hills uh, back in 1989, 90. We were doing Love Letters at the time, which uh, was running like forever. And one day I, I got a phone call from this uh, woman I knew named Deborah Lawler, who was a an independent producer in Los Angeles, and she and I knew each other just from being in the community. And I knew her to be to be smart, intelligent, and a creative thinker. And she called me out of the blue, and she said um, that she had just had a severe car accident in New York uh, State, uh, and she said uh, that while she was laying in bed in the hospital, she said to herself, if I ever survive this, I am going to start a theater company of my own. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know, um, not, not always what, what everyone may imagine when they're on their deathbed, but, no. this, is, but, no. but, but this is what, what, how, how Deborah you know, thought. So, so thank God she survived. Uh, and, she, and thank God for me that she called me. Um, so she said, if I start this company, will you run it with me? And I said, yes, absolutely. So we got in a car, we drove around town and looked at a few buildings. Now, and this then, is Los Angeles you're talking about. This is Los Angeles. You know, she's back in Los Angeles. We're driving mm -hmm. around L.A. and we turned down Fountain Avenue and, there's, and, the, and the building is, was uh, available for sale. And we just uh, went inside and just immediately felt at home. It was, it was like taking a big sigh of relief. We had found it and just, it just felt like us. And we loved the relationship of the audience to the stage and everything felt exactly right. So uh, um, we acquired the building and it was empty. So we had to go down Western Avenue and buy a, a desk and a, and a phone <laughs> and a chair, you know, and we went back and we plugged in the phone and we, and, and I remember assembling the, my desk and we got started. And that was in 1990. Uh, and uh, the whole, our, our, our uh, vision was and is to create uh, an artistic home where, where theater and dance artists can come and create new work that reflects the, the uh, diversity of Los Angeles and the nation. And that's, the, that's what we've tried to create uh, for the past 33 years. Well, we're gonna get into exactly looking at sort of an overview of, of those 33 years 
uh, in ways that, that hopefully are possible. But I just want to say that that story that you just told, that, that sort of original origin story, as it's called, yeah, I think that is such an inspiring story on many levels because it really says, you know, when you talk about the phone ringing and this opportunity that came to you is really uh, something for everybody to keep in mind, you know, that, that life can do that. You can suddenly um, have something happen that brings you a, in a whole new direction that you might be uh, accomplishing a dream that you've always wanted to have. So that's a very inspiring story. And in fact, that you started it from the ground up that way. And here you are, you know, 33 years later, uh, able to tell that story is is also very inspiring. So um, that's, you know, congrats. All I can say is, and I'm sure the world would say to you, Stephen, if it could, congratulations. Oh. That. Um, but before we get into the actual, you know, as you said, your point of view, what you wanted to accomplish there, what you've been dedicated to do, and I think, in fact, what you've accomplished at the Fountain Theater, as we might mention, is you know, it is a small, smaller theater. I think it's 80 seats, as I remember. Correct. Um, is, you know, I, I know that you've talked to others about this philosophy that you had and I and that you have, and I think must be a great motivation for you that again has been part of your endurance, which is what you described as the sacred pur- purpose of theater. Can you um, elaborate a little bit on that for us? Well, I would say that that my whole reason for doing what I do and what I want the Fountain Theater to achieve is I want people to come to the Fountain Theater and be changed in some way. Uh, I'm 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 I've dedicated my my life and career to creating a space where where people can gather together in a shared uh, experience and be told stories and experience stories that enlighten what it means to be a human being. I, I, I want, as I said, to, to change people's minds or to open their eyes or to see the world differently or to see themselves differently. Um, I, I want to challenge uh, preconceptions, dissolve uh, barriers or stereotypes. Um, I, I, it, I just want, I want our public to have a meaningful experience. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with um, entertainment. Uh, 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 I, I love a good comedy as much as the next person. Uh, and I think that that can still be done and still be meaningful and, and life changing. Because I, 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 as I say, I, I, I just think that there is nothing more, more, more important to do with one's life than to enrich the lives of others and to make somehow make the world a better place. And, um, at the end of 33 years or so, when it's time for me to, to step out, uh, I want to be able to say, you know, job well done and, and, and hand it off to the next person, you know, with pride. Well, I think, you know, to, to, there's no doubt that you can do that. Um, I think that, that what you just said, though, is kind of incredible when you think about the way that the world has changed let's say if you have this arc of 33 years is the fact that you know some people might have thought well 
you know, with the digital age, with, uh, with a hundred different television stations, with the way in which uh, people are, are ex- especially in the last 10 years, you know, wedded to their, that little box in their hand and the, the screen, people might say, well, you know, theater is not going to survive. And yet a lot of what you just described as your, um, your connection to doing theater and your mission in theater might be a description of what theater, you know, has to offer people. Because I, I really responded to what you said about the sacred purpose of it. Because people, in, in maybe this is going to sound uh, too exaggerated, but people have described theater equal to the feeling of going to church, let's say. That you can, what you said about coming into theater one way and leaving in a different way, that people have often thought it's a place where you contemplate the essence of being a person, which was part of what you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, a study has was recently done that demonstrated that when an audience is gathered and they're watching a play, their hearts beat together. They fall into sync. That's just uh, incredible. That was actually scientifically proven in an experiment. Uh, and, and I think that that is sort of the essence of what theater can do. Uh, and you're right about it uh, always being a challenge. It, it's always been a challenge getting people in into the theater to pull them away from their, their television sets uh, or their, their video screens. It's always been hard. And then when the pandemic hit, and everything shut down and we were all glued to our, our monitors uh, and on Zoom. Um, it, and then uh, the pandemic was over. It be, it, it's, it's been even harder now to bring people back. Yes. Well, it could be, it could be also, you know, that in fact people appreciate the experience of theater more after the pandemic. Well, that's exactly what has happened, and that's what I was I was going to say was that you know our response to to the to the pandemic was building an outdoor stage. Uh, it was in in toward the end of of the of, of twenty twenty, and I was sitting alone in the Fountain Theater. We had been shut down by the pandemic. The, the theater was empty, <clears throat> and I was sitting there all alone thinking, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? Um, and then I, I thought to myself, well, let's just go. If we, if we can't produce indoors, let's go outside into our, into our parking lot. So it was kind of in the spirit of let's put on a show. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> you know, the Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland thing. Yeah. So, so I so. And and so the team at the fountain was behind it, and our board of directors, God bless them, were behind us, and they said yes. Uh, they said had the courage to say yes. Let's go. So we we purchased um, an outdoor stage, all this steel decking, like and and the trussing that goes around it, like a rock and roll stage, and we built a theater in our parking lot. And we were the first theater in Los Angeles to be given permission by Actors' Equity and the city of Los Angeles to produce outdoors during the pandemic. And you're right, people came, they flocked. And the look on their faces after two years of isolation was elation. Yes, it's, it's, and it's amazing. That is, that is a common feeling. They said, thank you, thank you, thank God. It was, it was like we're all coming out of our cave. 
you know, when we're kind of blinking in the, into the squinting it into is. the sunlight, it you is. know. Right. Uh, and and since then, uh, audiences are are coming back in droves and are slowly coming back. And and I I think that uh, two years of isolation has has demonstrated to us how valuable shared human connection truly is. Exactly, and and how valuable theater can do that in a way that your screens, whatever screens you're looking at, cannot do that. Even even Zoom. Absolutely. The opportunity to actually see one another doesn't give you that that feeling. Well, you could say the heartbeat feeling. Right. Sure. I'm sure there's no heartbeat in our Zooms. You know? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so I think that, um, yeah, and and I think that's an example of, you know, your your creativity and your determination has been a great amount of why we have the Fountain Theater today, even in such a diverse and vibrant area as Los Angeles, California, where there's so many uh, diversions for people to, you know, enjoy, they still will come to the Fountain Theater. And I think part of that is the quality of your theater, um, the, the kind of mission that you've had that people feel. And so let's talk a little bit about some of those highlights in your programming, because I know, and I'll just pick out one, is Athol Fugard, one of my favorite playwrights. Um, you know, he honored the Fountain Theater by choosing you to do world premieres, which is so incredible. But as a as a hero that he was for apartheid in South Africa and the way that he uh, that wrote, you know, so many award winning plays. Yes. Uh, uh, working with Ethel will always be a, a highlight of my life that began in in, in 2000. Uh, I directed the Los Angeles premiere of a, a play of his called The Road to Mecca, uh, a beautiful, beautiful play. And uh, Athol, who never goes to see anyone else direct any of his shows anytime, uh, got word that this production of his play at the Fountain Theater was good and worth seeing. Uh, <laughs> so, so he actually came up... Um, and uh, saw, came to the Fountain Theater and sat there kind of quietly in, in the seat uh, and watched uh, our production of his play. I knew he was coming. The actors did not know he was coming. I did not mm. tell, tell right. them. You know, right. so, I'm, so I went up into the booth, the tech booth, and I'm looking down through the window at him at his little bald head sitting there and I'm, and I'm you know, terrified. What does he think? What does he feel? So after the, after the play was over, you know, he, he grabbed me and hugged me and he was so happy. And I and then I brought the actors out and I said, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet Athel Fugard. And they just yeah! screamed. <laughs> they screamed and they were. And so then we all went out uh, afterward and talked and had a wonderful, wonderful time. And he said to me at that time, you know, um, uh, what a great experience he had. And I said, you know, look, if you're ever interested in developing a new work, uh, away from uh, a larger theater organization, and they're just looking for a little, a little, a little theater, kind of going back to your roots in South yeah, Africa, right? Uh, away from the from the pressure, you know, the Fountain Theater will always be your home. So I, I, I thought, yeah, okay, fine, you'll probably never respond. Well, sure enough, uh, a short time later, I get an email from him. And it's from Athel Fugard. And that, that alone, of course, got my heart pumping. And I opened up the email and it said uh, that a close, and there was an attachment on the email. And the email said, 
the attached file is my new play called Exits and Entrances, and I, I want you to direct it. How incredible. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Yes, and that's how it all began. So I, I directed the, the world premiere of a new play by Athol Fugard, which is just like uh, an extraordinary experience. He, he, at that time, he was living down in Del Mar, uh, and he would come up uh, every, every Friday on the train and watch the rehearsals. And because it was a new play, he was still working on the script a little bit. So I had the experience of, of he and I sitting on the floor of the stage at the Fountain Theater all alone with pages of the script spread out on the floor, bo both of us with our pencils out, <laughs> you know, and, and I and I what I, an I, honor. Yeah, I just I had this like, out of body experience thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe. Yeah, yeah, that, but, that's, an, that's I, well, I can imagine, of course, that that was a highlight for you in uh, you know, as as a human being and as a as a theater professional. Uh, yeah. And then we, and then we went on to do many, many more of his plays and we became like his Los Angeles theater home yes. for 10 years. It became right. And I, I had the pleasure of seeing many of those and mm -hmm. was always amazed at um, how wonderful it was to have those world premieres. Yeah. So what else would you like to tell us in terms of, you know, from yourself, you are the expert, of course, of the 33 years. How, how do you see the highlights of your theatrical history? Well, just very briefly, something that stands out always for me is the launching of Deaf West Theater Company uh, in 1991. When we started the Fountain Theater in 1990, there was no Deaf Theater Company in Los Angeles. Prior to that, I was working with Deaf Actors uh, kind of informally. And when I started the Fountain Theater, one of the things I said to myself and my colleagues was, I want to start a, a deaf company in LA. Uh, so uh, someone introduced me to this gentleman named Ed Waterstreet, and he and I talked. Uh, he had the same vision as I did. And I said, Ed, come into the Fountain Theater. Let's start a, a company. And he did. And that's how Deaf West Theater Company began. Uh, it began at the Fountain Theater, uh, it was in residence with us for the first three or four years of its existence. Our our vision was always that it would grow into its own thing, which it did. And then they moved out um, and and acquired their own space. And of course, went on to Broadway uh, with Big River and 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 uh, and Spring Awakening and and tremendous success. Uh, that was uh, always an important. Uh, step for us, and we've maintained our our connection to the deaf community uh, throughout our history. I've done other other work. I mean, th that's just an example of how we we are community driven. Mm -hmm. we, we always look at what community needs to be served. What plays illuminate a, a specific issue that a that a particular community is is being faced. Uh, I'm I'm also proud of how we. Uh, because we are an intimate company, we are nimble and we're able to respond to yes. what's, ha what's, ha what's happening in the moment. Um, for example, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Robert Schenken uh, sent me his play. This was just after uh, Trump was elected president and he had written, Robert had written a play about uh, immigration, uh, the, the Trump immigration policy and uh, called Building the Wall. And um, I read this play and uh, I said, we have to do this play and we have to do it now. Now, I had already had scheduled a, a play already to open in production, but I threw that play out 
And I, we brought in, in Robert's play because it was a brand new play that was speaking to something that was happening in the country in that moment. And so we all just kind of leaped in together uh, and, and, um, and put the, the play up on its feet. Uh, and then, and uh, it, be, it did very, very well. And then went on to productions around uh, the country, went to New York and has been, been produced uh, nationwide. Uh, recently, when the, when the Supreme Court uh, repealed Roe v. Wade, I called Lisa Loomer because I knew that she had written a play called Roe. Uh, which spoke to this particular issue. Um, and again, we, I said, we have to do this now. And we did it outdoors uh, on our outdoor stage. Um, that excites me. It excites me when a theater company can be alive to the moment and be in dialogue with its time, uh, with its day. Um, uh, I, 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 I'm, I, I think the theater can, can provide a very important a service to the public as a, as a as a place of public forum, where where you can come to the theater and and be engaged with an issue that is alive in the moment, uh, either in your country or in your city or in your community. Um, well, yeah, you know that's and it's it's. I'm thinking as you're speaking about that. I'm thinking of um, the playwright Boal in in Brazil, who actually um, I for some that may not know about him, but he he actually was able to convince the city council of, um, of Rio de Janeiro to uh, use plays to solve some of their city problems. So he'd actually, they'd actually create plays and, and perform them in the city council place with the audience from the citizens and they would present a, a problem in the city and look at different solutions from different angles as depicted in the particular play. So that was actually a very literal example of, of kind of what you're talking about of, of theater being able to be in dialogue. Well, that's exactly what the Fountain Theater uh, ha has done recently uh, with the Los Angeles City Council. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but when Mitch O'Farrell was our city councilman, uh, we created a program where we brought professional actors into City Hall and performed in the Los Angeles City Hall uh, Council Chamber. So we did these readings of these plays. We did All the President's Men um, in the council chamber, they were the actors were sitting in their in the council chairs, um, uh, and then we did a, a another play, a, a spin on Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Um, so, I mean, that that's incredible. No, I, I I'm sorry to say I did not know. Yeah. That is well publicized. <laughs> but it's 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 kind of amazing. I mean, what other city in the country would turn over its its council chamber to a nonprofit theater, hand hand over the keys to this council office, you know, and and allow a company to come in and perform in their in their chairs. That's uh, it is incredible, but it's yeah. part it's part of the courage that the Fountain Theater has had. I mean, that you and and you have such a pioneering spirit that seeps into you know all of the, the decisions there because of just being such a pioneer in in the deaf community at the time that you stepped into working and being part of the deaf community of them you know being invited to be part of of, of your artistic work you were so far ahead of what now is accepted as 
you know, kind of, of course. Right. Yeah, we were also that way, I think, with with our our ticketing. Uh, years ago, uh, you know, we used to have uh, seasons and we were locked into, we were like every other theater in town. You, you announce four plays and you know what you're going to be doing a year from now. And people buy their subscriptions and they know on March 10th, in the next year, they're going to be sitting in row B15 one year from now. Uh, and that was kind of the model a long time ago. And then we would we would open a play and then we would close it because we had to open play number two. And then we realized, well, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? Why? Why? Just because everybody else is doing it? Because this is the way it's supposed to be? No. So we threw that model out and we went to a a, a theater pass program. This is this was years ago. Now everybody's doing it, but, but we, we threw that out. And, and now people join the Fountain Theater. It's like going to the gym. You buy a membership card and uh, you can come and go as you please. And the, the scheduling is fluid. It allows us to stay alive to the moment. Everybody's happy and, and it, it locks us out. I mean, it, it frees us from being locked into these fixed schedules. This yeah, that's and and the, the, it's so interesting you're saying about membership because I was thinking of of for some people who feel that theater is a sacred space and and many theater goers go there for the same reasons that they go for spiritual sustenance in their particular faith whatever that is yes um, many of them you know right they pay a membership to go to their place of of their faith worship and. I was thinking that theaters could could do the same thing, you know, and that way perhaps have a more sustaining audience, which is what you've done. So, you know, congratulations on that also. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so here we are today. I mean, without without, uh, laying out a sense of pressure on the Fountain Theater, I'm going to mention that we happen to be at this moment in the society of the United States fraught with so many issues that are searching for a solution. And, you know, it's it's a terrible laundry list, but I, I'll, maybe I'll begin with the gun violence, with the mental illness crisis. Uh, I'll mention uh, here in Los Angeles, the humanitarian crisis of homelessness. Is there is there a role for theater in general and the Fountain Theater going forward, do you think? I think that there's more than a role. I think there is a responsibility. I, I've always mm-hmm. felt looked at it that way, that it's our responsibility as a as a public arts community to dramatize these issues and these fears that we all have face every day and to give them public voice uh, and and hopefully with the aim of coming to some kind of solution uh, I, I feel that coming to see a play about something and watching it and, and thinking oh that yes that really is bad yes this is a, a horrible thing or this is an important issue and then the curtain goes down and the lights come up and you say well now let's go what are we going to go for dinner and you go and you drive away and then you, and you don't think about it anymore uh, that to me is not a successful evening a successful evening is seeing a play about homelessness and being so, so deeply moved or changed by it that you, you, you have to do something. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. that you leave the theater saying i have to do something Mm -hmm. uh and if and if when they're when they are leaving the theater we have an usher or someone in the lobby putting a flyer in their hand or Mm -hmm. putting putting a petition in their hand or or putting information on here's what you can do then uh then i think that 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 theater becomes active it becomes Mm -hmm. uh, a vehicle of active change it's not a place to come and receive information it's it's to engage it's 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 an that's what they call it acting it's it's active it's an action yes well you know and the fountain theater with the kind of history that you've laid out and described you're in the perfect position right now in in the midst of this very difficult time i would say particularly in the american society but in many ways you know in our world society and we're all coming out of the pandemic, not the same that we were, and not knowing who we're going to be in the future as a society. So uh, I, I can only say a great amount of gratitude to you for being there, for helping us, for the contribution that you and, and the Fountain Theater make. And is there anything else you would like to say today to our audience about your plans for the future? Um, no, I I would just say that uh, I I think now the the American theater and, and theater in Los Angeles is going through a, a, an identity uh, reassessment, a reevaluation. I think all of us as a, as theater makers, and I think theater goers are asking our, ourselves, what does it mean to me? What does theater mean to me now? Mm-hmm. After, after being closed up for two years and so forth, mm-hmm. being without it for so long, what does it mean to me now? Uh, uh, just going to the office is different now. Everything, yes. is, everything yes. is different. Everything is different. Going to the market, uh, going shopping. All, all aspects of daily life have been changed. And I think that, that, that for theater to survive, it has to change and be responsive to its time. You cannot go back and, and try to reconfigure re what was before. That, uh, that is gone. And it's, it's important now that we look forward and, and, and reimagine a, a new theater uh, for ourselves and, and the city and the country. Well, we're lucky you're there. Uh, with the Fountain Theater, with the, the history that you've already, you've always, uh, you know, asked these questions, I think. And then at this moment, we need those questions uh, to be shared more than ever. So thank you for so much for taking the time today for being on the program. And thank you for all the things you've done and that you will do in, in the coming years. Absolutely. My pleasure to talk to you today, Karen. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure, too. Thank you so much, Stephen. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Commentaries from the Edge. Please subscribe, and you will be notified of all future episodes.